0: This month on the podcast, first off, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you listening. I'm really excited this month because I'm in New York City, all right? And yeah. when you think of New York City, for me at least, there's a lot of history of poetry here. And uh, and I'm, I'm excited to have my first poets on the podcast. So we're branching out into that medium. Uh, Nia Mora and Hattress Barbour the mm Thank you both for being here, and if we can get if we can get this podcast kicked off with a uh, performance, I'd love to hear uh, you each perform a number.
1: All right, that's no problem. Okay, Queen. All right, I'm ready. Before every performance, I always have to make an announcement, though. Harlem is officially in the building. That's a Let's fact. Let's go. <laughs> Aunt Jemima is not one of my ancestors. I wasn't born with the natural knack for a churning butter, nor Baking bread. Mysteries are mapped out between my thighs. History is hidden in my eyes. Wander and chaos are etched in my palms. Unwritten psalms cling to the tip of my tongue, awaiting an occasion to be sung. Fury and fire are wefted in the marrow of my lungs. Build me a table and this, is what I'll serve you, Aunt Jemima, is not one of my ancestors, and I damn sure ain't your mother neither.
0: Mmm, very nice. Talk that queen, Neamora. Thank you, Nia, very much. We're gonna, i want to touch on your passion here in a minute, but we're gonna get Hattress up here to perform his uh, his first piece.
2: All right. So in the spirit of the queen, Neamora, Who just came through and dropped gems. I gotta talk about my queens. This poem right here is called Magic. See, the women in my family are magic. Like, I have witnessed them. Transform tragedy into triumph. cradling self-esteem and rocking pain to sleep with lullabies that soothe the average beast like me. See, I have seen them. Look deaf, dead in the eyes like only a black woman could. With enough cocoa butter and shade to even out all of my dark places. With enough snaps, neck rolls, and hand claps to let you know when they ain't playing. Enough fortitude to last generations, because as we all know, black, it just don't crack like that. Because see, when my mother died, these women literally put the men on their back and carried us to understanding. Mm. When my uncle died, they were the only ones to not cry. The only ones to allow for us men to be both vulnerable and safe. See, this is what God must feel like. They say, the burden of strength, it always lies with the wise. Well, these women birth boulders and can move mountains with their mouths. See, I remember overhearing conversations in the kitchen. And if y'all know anything, y'all know there's nothing more magical than four black women in one kitchen. See, I watched them there, (laughs) conjuring feasts fit for kings. With recipes passed on from elders I have never seen, but always knew they loved me still to the day just by the way my food tasted. I watched them there, gracefully stirring pots, measuring by hand just the right amount that's good for your soul. See, they were good for your soul, like church. The kitchen was praise and worship. The kitchen was knees on a pew, an invitation to forgiveness, and these women were extensions of God. These women... For fried chicken, collards, and turkey neck bones, baked mac and cheese, gizzards, and gluten-filled bread because gluten-free just don't taste the same. Mm. These women have survived fires. and lived to tell of smoke, of rubble, of ash that blows in the wind like strange fruit on Mississippi seas. See, they have seen their parents die by the hands of whites and still manage to smile. How? They have seen their mothers go for matriarchs and still forgotten by the history books, Yet still, they encourage us to read. Read until we can write. Write until it is right. Until monuments are erected in their honor. And even if they aren't, at least everyone will know this little black boy came from a loving family. So it amazes me how hearing the rumblings of an empty stomach was the only motivation they needed. How they withdrew pain from wounds I never knew I had. How they had love etched on the insides of their arms so that every hug had the power of healing. How they knew honey and ginger and apple cider vinegar worked better than anything a doctor could ever prescribe. I have no idea. The women in my family are magic. I swear. And I just want them to know that that monument they've been waiting for has always been right here.
0: nice oh man thank you both for doing this and 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 just in that first performance um you guys displayed this energy that you bring and this uh from what i've seen first off all all right all right let me let me scale back here because i'm I'm getting ahead of myself i want to pub uh get you guys on instagram here how can people find you because you post clips online and and this is how i found you and you guys deliver your message online so where where can people find you on, on on instagram
1: you can find me on Instagram at Poet Nia Mora exactly as it's spelled. Nothing crazy.
2: And me, um, like I said, my name is Hattress. It's like mattress with an H, but please don't sleep on me. You can find me on Instagram at I am underscore hattress. That's H A T T R E S S.
0: Beautiful. They post they post clips of their work, performances, and then they also perform around New York City. Um and just the the energy you guys bring, the honesty you bring, the um, was this something that came naturally for you guys, or was this something that you discovered about yourselves? I, I'm curious how this how poetry came into your lives. Ladies first.
1: Thank you, King. Um, I think it was a little bit of both. I'd always, since I was four years old, I wanted to be a writer. And then in the eighth grade, I found an anthology of poems by women in the library. Mm. I checked it out. I never returned it. But (laughs) I feel like I'm giving back now, right? Oh. (laughs) And in there was a poem by June Jordan. All of That's All Right. And it went through all these things that we do on a daily basis, make me scrambled eggs, give me breakfast, do this, do that. And I don't want and I don't need any of that. All I want is somebody to come and carry me into a seven-day kiss. Mm. And after I read that, I said, this is what I want to do. I want to do that. I want to write like this.
2: That's beautiful. Wow. Wow. I don't. I don't think I have. My story is not that beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a different shade it's of a, beauty. Yeah, like I've been writing since I was about twelve. Um, what inspired me was um, Deaf Poetry Jam. The, who who kicked that off? That was um, Russell, Russell Simmons. Simmons yeah. yeah. So I remember watching poets there at that time, and I remember the neighborhood I grew up in. It wasn't a thing to do. Like you either play ball, you sold drugs, right? Like, and that was it. Um, and me being an intellectual and my mother telling me, like, hey, you got to read, you got to write, you got to do these things. Um, I cling to that. And seeing them get praise for their wordsmanship was just an amazing thing for me. And then I found Maya Angelou. <laughs> and it's like she reminded me so much of my mother that, like, I clung to poetry. Um, I didn't really start performing until about a year and a half ago, though. Oh, wow. Um, And funny story about that, like the reason why I started performing, um, one of my peers, his name is Cito Blanco. You can follow him on Instagram and all that. Um, From the South Bronx, he has the same type of energy that we bring. Um, It's a message that needs to be heard in a way that hasn't been heard. Mm. Um, And he gave me the confidence to hit a stage. Just following him, seeing what he's doing, it's like I will never discredit that. That's one of my mentors in the game right now. Like every time I come to a stumble, I stumble a little bit, I hit him up, like, hey, bro, what should I do? And he got me. So it's like things like that. The artist community is, is a very welcoming and loving space for me.
0: Uh, what was that? Cause- if if you're so new to performing, one I never would have guessed that the fact that I would have guessed that you maybe started writing at a young age just by how uh, articulate you write and how clear you write your message is very very clear and I and I love writing that does that. Thank, um, you. Thank you. But what was that like for you then? Jumping into the performance aspect was it was you was this passion that you're showing in this delivery that you've honed? Was that something you had to hone as a skill, or did that just kind of protrude from you?
2: Of course. um, I think everything is a learning process. Um, I've been in public speaking for a while because of my um, careers. Um, I'm a recruiter right now. I work for um, Housing Works and I recruit for people who've been incarcerated. Help them get jobs. Um, So I have to do a lot of public speaking and I think my career path kind of honed my stage career. Mm -hmm. um, Because it made me um, a little bit it made me understand presence and how important it is. Um, but like, yeah, I I was horrible when I first started <laughs> like, I, I, mean, I
1: didn't see none of those shows. I was horrible. Since I saw you, you was, was horrible.
2: Because like, once you have that one bad show, if you're really dedicated about it, you're gonna keep going. It's like it's almost like motivation, like, okay, my next show has to be better than this. I can't forget. I can't, I have to prepare. So it's like that was one of the things I was passionate about. When I'm passionate about something, I go all in. Uh,
0: and, Nia, and, yeah, for you, you were telling me how you, you would uh, kind of transition from being a writer to being a poet. Yes. And And so once you kind of decided to make that transition, how did that, like, did that feel comfortable to you? Was it a comfortable transition, or was that something that you had to, like, push through?
1: It was pretty much comfortable. I would say that um, in terms of conversations I have with other poets about being on the stage, um, that's home for me. I don't get nervous before I go up there. So. It was very comfortable. It was like I didn't know how I was going to pull it off in my life. And one thing I worried about was just being able to memorize because, like Hatcher said, once I commit to something, I'm in it. So I want to give the people what they came for. And it was like, um, you know, am I going to be able to memorize everything? Am I going to be able to get this all out in an appropriate way? Um, but a friend of mine, Jaime, he told me, you could do it. So do it. And so then I did it. And mm-hmm. like Hatcher said, like once you mess up one time, it's like, am I going to keep going? I'm keep going. And then shout out to my mom, who gave me a few acting classes when I was young because she thought I was cute and I could do something. you <laughs> um, are beautiful, by yeah. the way. Thank you, thank you. Um, that enabled me to learn a skill which is, the show doesn't stop. You just keep going. So there are a lot of times people don't realize it, that I messed up, I dropped the line. There are poems that whole stanzas are missing from, so y'all should definitely buy the book because (laughs) I I don't always get it all out. But... Y'all don't know that, so I'm not going to disrupt the flow of the show. I'm going to keep going. There are days I just make up the poem, and I'm like, you know what? This sounds better than what I wrote. This is going to be how I perform it from mm-hmm. now on. <laughs> well,
0: let's get the pub for the book, too, because, uh, yeah, she released a collection of poetry um, yes. that is available on Amazon. Amazon and mm-hmm. on my
1: website. You can come to my website. Jeff Bezos doesn't need any more of your money, so <laughs> come true. to my website, and you can order it at neomora.net. It's She's Come Undone. It's five sections of poetry from love, longing, healing, heartbreak, and a section of interludes because I didn't want to get rid of those poems, but they didn't go anywhere.
2: Can we talk about the alliteration? She's a poet. Love, longing, healing, and yeah. heartbreak. I see what you do. It's
0: natural. She couldn't can stop mean, She Thank couldn't you. stop it if she wanted to. <laughs> um, if we could get set up, I'd love to hear um, another round of performances. Sure. Mm. You know, Nia, Nia's going first.
1: We blame you for it. The world has battered you till all that's left of you is shadow and bone. Your strength exploited, your spirit disjointed. So you seek out counterfeit measures for moments of pleasure in which you feel whole again. And we blame you for it. And we shame you for it. Instead of helping you prune the dead leaves so that finally you can breathe. The strength of the rising sun is in your shoulders. You pay the price for that in bullets when the world can't handle your light. And we blame you for it. They've chained you to the block by the laces of your Jordan so that you can be a witness to murders that you can never speak of. And then you have to watch them by the block that you grew up on back for pennies on a diamond. They will never give you a diamond. The same crime that they locked your uncle up for, they profited off of now. And we blame you for it, and we shame you for it. And we still tell you that the surest way to succeed is to get an education, but go into that building you're begging to take your seed and fertilize into America's next great mind, and then you will find that they are only focused on making sure he knows how to walk in a straight line. Why? so that he can be another employee or a cog that fits perfectly in the prison pipeline. And we blame you for it when this system is designed to eradicate all that is majestic and magnificent in you. Yet we blame you for it and we shame you for it instead of filling your belly with turmeric milk and massaging garlic clothes into your battle wounds, we blame you for it. And we shame you for it. Instead of helping you prune the dead leaves so that you can finally breathe. And I'm sorry. Mm. We blame you for it.
0: I said. Beautiful. Beautiful.
2: Every I heard you I, like that poem. Yo, every time I hear that poem, it just really does something to me. Like, I, I heard it two days ago, and I was just like, wow. That's wow. pure art.
0: I mean, I, the thing I love about poetry, and specifically what I've seen of you guys, and is that it's it's a community. There's community mm-hmm. there. There's support. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what art's about. I mean, art's become a very big business, but if, if that community aspect of it goes away mm-hmm. entirely then it's that everybody's at a loss mm-hmm. everybody I loses think. um so i mean i appreciate you sharing that i really do um and i if we could get you to perform another one that'd be
2: uh i'm, I'm gonna sit here because this is a all right, so this is a piece that's kind of personal to me and i've never performed it
1: before oh, oh is, is it's exclusive new shit?
2: <laughs> Um, uh, A lot of people in the poetry community know what's been going on for me the last couple of months. Um, And I just thank God for the support system that I've had and just the people that I've met. Because, like, without them, I probably wouldn't be able to be here right now. Um, So I I haven't titled this poem yet. Um, I don't really like titles like that. But um, i just go into it. I am black before I am man. Man before I am father. Father is what I chose, but God said no, so I am everything I had no say in. I am black every day. Man right after puberty. Father for eight months and 12 days before God said, hey, I changed my mind, and mind you, I have yet to hear his voice. Mm. I just imagine a oh my bad or... Psych, I lied, because ain't God made in my image anyway. See, I've been told that I play too much. Maybe being black makes you turn trauma into jungle gems. Maybe being man makes emotions distant cousins. Maybe being almost father makes you nurture yourself less. I'm not quite sure, because still, I have yet to hear his voice. All that I know is that I am all the things I had no say in. See, I've always been a quiet kid, the type that is easily forgotten in Toys R Us while the rest of my peers chooses to run amok. I would much rather move in stealth to all the games I wanted to take home, but knew we only had money for about one or two or maybe three, so I used my silence to concentrate. I remember after picking up my new addition, I looked around to find my mommy and she was nowhere in sight. I was so quiet that all I did was cry silently to myself for 10 minutes and out 10 until she eventually found me. See, there are some instances that can change the qualities of quiet. In those times, I prayed for bald voice. October 8th, 2005 is the day my mother grew mute from a hard life. I watched doctors turn ventriloquists trying to recreate sound from the distance in her eyes. I wonder if she was still in there, just too tired to talk. My mother made sound look like fire's burning, engulfed skin with dialect and left language dripping from the tip of her tongue. Whenever she got the chance, she told me that sound is the part of God no one can ever take from me. I'm still not sure, because I have yet to hear his voice. When I was 11... I watched my mother spit roast a grown man and feed his body to the fire. I could smell his skin tightening up from the flames as he was reduced to rubble. I asked her why. She told me, boy, nothing on earth can disobey God's command. She made me speak when silence was sheltered in storms and told me to talk to the mirror with authority, even being all the things I had no say in. April 8th, 2019. I became a childless father. Labor filled my heart with the same silence my mother was overcome by. I had been man for quite some time and only father for a moment. That day, I had used my voice to break the sky and curse the God my mother told me about. That day, I became another thing I had no say in. That day, my own silence returned eager to provide shelter in this storm on that day I learned that my daughter is just like her father. Quiet. I wonder what she sounds like. Mm. Wow. Thank
0: you. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. For the first time performing that that poem, and to have that here, that that means a lot to me. When when something. When you do something that, 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 when you write something that personal, and it, it gets that deep inside of you, even after you've been performing for as long as you have and you're comfortable on stage the way you are, do you find that when the, when the poem's that personal, it's even hard to to perform that to say it?
2: It's difficult. Um, I I had a talk with my girlfriend. Um, yesterday and she told me that she wants me to perform that and I told her I wasn't ready Um, but I'm comfortable here right and it's like it's a difference between it's three of us here and me being on stage in front of how many people people. come here (laughs) like I mean like it's a different it's a different interaction I, I don't feel the same about it but she felt like she needed me to honor our daughter in a way that she wanted me to, and it's like I felt the same way, so it's like that's why I did it here because it's like I'll probably never do that poem ever again. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it'll probably be in the book when it comes out, but like, I'm not doing that again. Uh, but thank you for opening the space to even hey. allow that type of mm-hmm. honesty and vulnerability. I appreciate you. Hey, that's
0: no problem. It's uh, it's, uh, it's important, I, I think. For me, at least, when I write, it's it's therapeutic. I mean, some mm-hmm. of the stories are made up. Some of them draw from personal experience, mm-hmm. um, so that like I I try and keep the umbrella open, um, but. But yeah, I, I mean, I know what you're saying. I mean, sometimes, and I think songwriters can get away with it a little bit easier because it's um, sometimes what's true might not be taken as true. Mm-hmm. But then what's, I, I think it's a little easier for us to perform numbers that are personal because the audience might not, probably won't know Receive if it's it real as like mm-hmm. personal. Exactly. Yes. And also,
1: you can write a song and write it for someone else and they can exactly. perform it and mm-hmm. you can have space between. The, the experience, audience the audience, and, yeah. and your, your work. That's what makes But yeah. for us poets who do write p- pieces that are autobiographical and intimate, there is sometimes not space, and that's when you find spaces that are, like you said, this is intimate, this is the three of us, or certain environments. Every poem can't go to every, every show. Every environment,
2: yeah, you're right.
0: you're right. Well, I appreciate you guys doing this, and I think, uh, uh, Nia, if, if, we, if we can get one more out of you. Oh yeah, we I'd know love we to got. Hear, love to hear one more. No, when she gets <laughs> when she gets set up over there, I want to uh, again pub the uh, Instagram pages because they post they post where they're going to be performing. Mm-hmm. We have to give a shout out to Open Mic Renegades. Please. Yeah. Yes. That's fam. Yeah, I mean Shanice, yeah. Shanice over there put me in touch Ooh. with these two and and she's really the reason we got to do this today. So, I was looking for Poets for the podcast. Uh, her and I kind of stumbled upon each other. And I said, Who do you got? You know, who do mm-hmm. you like? And she pointed me in, in their direction. So, both all of them, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out
2: to Shanice Ariel. She's dope. Shout out to Open Mic Renegades. Um, it's an amazing platform. It's so accepting. If you are an artist of any capacity, please pull up. She got you. You're gonna have a free space to be creative.
0: Yeah, and that's really on. Blessed. And that's on uh, Instagram as well. Open mic renegades. You can follow them on Instagram. If you're vi- even if you're visiting the city and you're mm-hmm. looking for something authentic to do, you're not. You're trying to get out of the tourist stuff and you're mm-hmm. trying to get an actual experience of what New York City is really like. I'm telling you, there are places for that. So like, check out Open My Renegades. She posts about where they're going to be performing, when they're going to have events, and that kind of stuff. So uh, you, it, you'll feel like you're home. You really will. It's family. Yeah.
2: It's- all family.
0: I'm going to sign off here now um, just so that way we can let uh, Nia end this thing. I appreciate everybody listening and uh, I appreciate Chiller Sound for having us here today. Uh, again, we're in New York City. I'll be back next month with another podcast. Until then, y'all do me a favor and believe in yourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let Nia, uh, Nia sign us off.
1: All right. She was never me. I didn't go to sleep to dream I made my bed so that I could lie in it like I was taught. I just followed the pattern of those around me swimming aimlessly upstream. You see, the first time they heard me dream out loud, they tried to drown me, forcing me to deny the cries of my ancestors pumping through my bloodstream. They screamed that like the sun. The reason for my existence is to bring light to men, not stand behind counters ringing up purchases for them. And there is no way that all of my majesty could ever fit properly into a poorly constructed cubicle. So I stayed up late one night and did the math. The equation didn't add up. The scales, they weren't balanced, you see. I realized that because you drank life through a bitter cup, it was easy for you to throw dirt on me and try and make me believe that a black woman ain't got the right nor the time to dream. There were too many other things to preoccupy my mind, so I stepped on every landmine that you laid out for me, traded in my power for doubt, you see, but time's up now. Ain't no prince come and kiss me, but baby, I'm woke now. Told that. Yeah, you heard. And the gauze that you tried to bury me in, watch as I strip it from my dreams and pull these grave clothes apart by the seams. Because who you said I could be and what I was created for are two totally different entities. So stop and take a good look at me. I know that I look like someone that you know, but she was never me. I am an entirely new creation. I am a flower growing without restriction. I no longer have any inhibitions. So come and pluck a petal if you dare. But you better prepare to experience every single one of these thorns. Cause I promise you, I will never let you take another dream from me for free. That girl that you once knew, she was never me.